Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 19th of June 2011, entitled Needed Faithful Fighting Fathers, and the Bible reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'm going to invite you to stand once more to honor the reading of God's holy word. Beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to begin by reading verses 1 through 5. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that she may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word this morning. You may be seated. The Bible teaches us very clearly that we are to honor our fathers and our mothers this day in June happens to be a day that's set aside for the honoring of fathers in this country and over 50 other countries around the world. But we are to honor our fathers not because of a man-made holiday, not because it's a tradition that came into being back the early turn of the century in the early 1900s, not because it's a good time to find sales in the shops and you can go out and buy all kind of things that are on sale as they're trying to attract you in there. But today we are to honor fathers because God said so. If a holiday had never been set up, God still said to honor your father and to honor your mother. We find that as we look into the New Testament the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we find the familiar words there. Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture of and admonition of the Lord. Notice that the Bible does not say to honor your mother and your father when they're good to you, when you think they're doing a good job. It doesn't say to honor your mother and your father when you like them and you like what they're doing and you like the way that they're doing it. God says, honor thy father and thy mother. So today, this day that is set up to honor the fathers, it is a right and biblical thing, and that's why fathers should be honored. Now, sometimes today, 
I will be speaking directly to the dads here. But you know, everybody here today, you're either a father yourself or you had a father. If you're here today and you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, most important at all, you have a heavenly father that deserves greater honor than any earthly father even. As I speak to some of the dads, I don't want anybody else to feel left out. I don't want you to worry because I believe that the message has laid upon my, that the Lord has laid upon my heart today is one that we all need to be reminded of. You see, if you happen to have forgotten, or if you hadn't noticed, I want to remind you this morning, folks, that as believers, as children of God, we are in a battle. As a matter of fact, we are in a war. And I'm not talking about Iraq or Afghanistan or Libya or anywhere else in the world. I'm talking about in your home and in my home. Right in our home. That which is at stake, as important as it might be, it's not our land, it's not our property, it's not our freedoms. It's our children that are at stake. I can assure you, we have a formidable enemy. And he is out for your children, he is out for my children, he is out for all the children. But we don't have to fear that enemy we have to recognize him. We have to realize what it is that he's up to, and we are in a battle to fight. We could turn to many passages this morning, but that is not our focus. We're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Believe me. Folks, it is a war. It is a real war. It is an important war. And sadly, too many are losing the battle all around us, and they don't have to. Many of our children today, they're going from childhood to adulthood. Listen to me, I'm not exaggerating, I'm speaking the truth without ever hearing a clear and simple message of the gospel. Children all over this world, that as we sit here this morning, they've never heard, or they've never heard it clearly, that they can have that privilege because how can you believe? except that you hear today many children from our Christian homes are turning from the faith. So many times they leave home, they go off to college or university or work or whatever their calling is, and at the same time they leave the church. That's not something that's new. It's something that has been happening right through the course of time. Matter of fact, I want to, as an illustration, I want to take you to the Word of God. I want to give you a biblical illustration of what I'm talking about. The nation of Israel had just marched into the promised land that had been promised to them. And they were settling into this new land. But the truth was that it wasn't a complete victory. Why? because they had not obeyed God's instructions completely. And instead of conquering all the land as they should have, they had just settled into some of it. 
They were instructed. God came back and reminded them that they had not done what he had asked them to do. They repented of it. And if you look into your Bibles in the book of Judges chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathirs in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. Also, all the generations were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them. Notice it says, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. We see in God's word, with God's own people, after going into the promised land that he had led them into and everything that he had done to deliver them from Egypt, in one generation, they had turned their backs on God. In one generation, they had turned from serving the one and true God to serving the gods of the world of those people around them. It only takes one generation to lose them all. Once Joshua, his generation had passed away, the next one just simply, flatly turned their back on God. I'm saying to you today, in 2011, so many times today, they don't even wait for mom and dad to pass on as we see here. Too often, as soon as they have the choice, the option, they turn away immediately. Oh, and I could give you a list of gods today, the gods of this world, television, fashion, music, convenience. The list can go on. The gods of this world are many of the people around us. We find that John put it very simple. In 1 John chapter 2 and in verse 16, the word of God says, for all, what was that word? All, A-L-L, all. Do we need to go back to the Greek to maybe understand what that word means? For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Those things are not of God. They are either of the world 
for they are of him. Of course, we live in a culture that approves this idea of turning one's back on God. All you have to do is look at the court cases, look at the TV programs, the movies that are so popular. They say that it, it's okay to make fun of religion. They say it's not really important, this Christianity stuff. They say it's not really relevant in our lives today. They say it worked for mom and dad and grandparents and all those before them, but it won't work for us. That's what's drummed into them day after day after day after day by this world. That's how they're entertained. That's what they're taught in the school systems. They don't need God. It's a crutch of bygone years. Moms and dads, may I say there is a battle for the souls of your children. You as parents, you are fighting on the front lines. And it's a war that you need to and you had better be ready for. You see, I, I don't want to frighten you today. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to personally take up your marching orders and to tackle this important, vital, critical task of saving the children. Whoever you are here today, you need to get in the fight if you're not there already. If you're already in that fight, then you need to face this enemy that we have with all that you have, with all that God has given you to face him with. And yes, as I speak to the dads, God has given you a responsibility, a big responsibility in this matter. But some of you may say, but preacher, I, I don't have any children. I'm not a dad. I'm not a father. Or my kids are all grown up and gone now. You ladies, I know you can certainly say you're not a dad. <laughs> you're not even a man here this morning. <laughs> so how could any of this apply to you? Well, guess what? You don't personally have kids yourself. May I say to you, we've got kids in this church that don't have a father. We've got kids all around us. You don't have kids? There's lots of kids that don't have a father. Who's going to help them? Who's going to fight the battle for them? Does it all just have to fall in, in mom's lap if they don't have a dad? What about where many of those moms... They don't have the heavenly father. <laughs> they don't know him. Therefore, they're not going to be fighting this battle for those kids either. What chance do they have if somebody isn't willing to fight for them? To so go back to our text in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to give you a few things. I won't have time to spend as much time on any of them as I'd like to. I mean, I haven't preached to you in two weeks. So I'm having to make up for lost time today, right? And I'm sure. It was actually two weeks ago, the first Sunday in June, 
I'm going to tell my age if I'm not careful. But Mrs. Mooney, it was 21 years since the first time that we met in that back room back there when I came here as their pastor. I'd preached here a couple times before that. And you know, in, in all those 21 years, there's been a Father's Day every year. And there's one thing without going back and listening to all those sermons or reading all those notes, I'm sure there's one thing that I focused upon every year. That's a thing called love. Love. Well, guess what? It hasn't changed. You see, we got to begin where God begins. And I'm saying to you, all children, every child, I don't care how tough they are to handle. I don't care what kind of a background that they come from. I don't care what color their skin is. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care what it is. If they're a child, they deserve to be loved. But so many of them, they do not have that essential ingredient in life. Yes, we know God loves them. But God wants to love them through you as a person, as an individual. That that love of Christ might come through you and may go out to them genuinely, not just fulfilling a, a, a need, a duty or something like that, but because in your heart you care. In your heart you want to be there for them. See, with God, Everything begins and ends with love. I've already stated we love him because he first loved us. One of the most quoted scriptures in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, you cannot love a child too much. It's impossible. You can't love them too much. Of course, another thing, no matter what we may think, we may think, we never really can possibly love anyone to the degree that God would have us to until we first do what he said here when we read in verses 4 and 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That word all again, nothing is left out. We don't have to figure it out. We need to love him with all of our very being. And, of course, it's only then that we can show that same kind of love. He's the one that helps us to love the unlovable. He's the one that helps us to love those that maybe we think don't deserve loving. The truth is, God's love. When he reached down and loved and gave his only son there on the cross of Calvary, our heavenly father, he proved his love. He showed his love without question, without doubt. You see, his love is unconditional. What about our love today? Is it really unconditional? So I'm going to take it as a given today. If I've 
Talked about love for 21 years. Surely I can move on to something else today as well. So take, I'm taking it as a given that we all understand the importance, that foundation that must be there, that love must undermine everything. And that for us to truly win this battle, our love for God must be with all of our very being, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our heart, all, everything that we are. And I want to give you three simple, practical things. This isn't anything mystical. It's simple, practical things that we see here in this chapter that will at least help you to win this battle. Every one of us here this morning to win this battle against the children. The first I want to point out is there in verse 6 and 7. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Can I say to you this morning with all due respect to all those smart, intelligent people out there, Christians, you need to forget about all the how-to books that you can find out there on the shelf on how to raise your children, on how to love your children. And you need to go to the one source that is implicitly right, that is never wrong, that will truly tell you how you need to raise that child. God's Word. But you know what? It's got to find its proper place in your heart first. Many people, they can read it from cover to cover. They can quote much of it, but it's all in the mind. It's never found its place into the heart. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. Do you think that there's maybe a little bit of relevance, relevance there? Maybe a bit of relevance that... We looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago that said something about, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. See, the truth is, when God's word is in our heart, when we truly love him, as we've already seen with all of our being. We won't have to make ourselves want to be obedient. <laughs> That'll be our natural desire, to want to obey him, to want to do it his way. So it's got to find its place. God's word in your heart, that's the first requirement. You see, if you're to win this war for your children, it's going to require, first of all, first point, all the rest has just been my introduction, teaching. Simple. Teaching. You've got to teach those children. You've got to teach them God's Word. But first of all, you've got to love God with all of your being, and His Word has to be in your heart. It has to be real to you. Only then will God's Word find the proper place in those children's hearts. Be involved in their lives. They need to be told about God. They need to be taught the Word of God. 
They need to be told what God has personally done for you, not just some far-off theological idea out there somewhere. He's real. He's your Father. What has God done for you? What has He done in your life? Your children need to know this. They need to know that God is real to you. They need to know that God's Word is real to you. It's interesting. I started just looking, trying to gather and put some figures together. And wow, when I began to try to find some realistic figures as to how much time the average father actually spends with his child each day, with his children. Well, I mean, I found all kinds of different people that had all kinds of different ideas, but there were a few things that they had in common. One thing that was for sure is that it was a shockingly low amount. And one thing that was also shocking is that in almost every case, the figure's low, and it's a lot lower than what the men would have given as their answers before the test was run. They, most of the time, they think they're spending a lot of time with the children, but in actual fact, they're not. You know, God says to the child in Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Did that say until you're 12 or 16 or 18 or 21 or you don't ever quit honoring your father and your mother. Yes, there'll come a time when you'll be responsible and accountable yourself as an adult. That doesn't mean it's a time that you quit respecting and honoring your father and your mother that God has given you. May I say to you, parents, you're walking on dangerous ground. If you're going to leave all the instructing of your children to the school system out there. Your children have to go off and learn their reading and their arithmetic and all those other things they, they learn. What is it, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic? <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe you need some help with that. Maybe you need to put them in the schools and let somebody else help you with that. But, boy, that better not be the end of your instruction as it is so many times in so many of the homes Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. May I say also, not only had you best not leave the instructing of your children to the schools, you better not leave it to the church. You better not leave it to this church, and that's not a slide on the, the teachers in any way. Fact is, folks, is that that doesn't take the place of your parental responsibilities as moms and dads in instructing those children in the things of God. Teaching them, teaching them. Do you think that this verse is primarily speaking to someone else to instruct your children? It's speaking to the parent. You know, I say this too. There's not a parent on the face of the earth can get saved for their child. There's not a parent on the face of the earth that can in any way make their own child that they love with all their hearts. They cannot make them a Christian. 
What is the Bible? And he says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, that child has no hope if he's never taught. He's never given the truth. And he has little hope if somebody gives him the truth, but in his home, he sees something else lived out altogether. The child needs to be taught, training a child in the way he should go. They will make their own choices. You know, that's hard for us as parents sometimes. I mean, probably one of the hardest things that we go through. I'll remind you of this. We serve a great God. Boy, there comes a time when all you can do is let go and let God. You have to trust Him. There is no excuse for not teaching them. But you can teach them. They'll still have to make their own. Every individual must get saved from themselves. Just because you're here and you're a child and you're raised in a Christian home and you've been taught all of these things, to you personally, individually, recognize that you're a sinner. To you individually, humble yourself before God and seek that forgiveness based solely and totally upon what Jesus Christ did for you when he died on the cross, when he shed his blood, when he rose the third day, he accomplished it for you. He died your death. He redeemed you by his own blood. And until you recognize that personally, it doesn't matter what you've been taught in the home, in the church, and everywhere else. You know, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they're the only human beings on the face of the earth that ever had perfect parenting from day one of their lives here on earth. Now, we all have a heavenly father that's perfect, but he was their parent in the garden. Nobody could have got it more right, but they still chose sin. You can't choose for your children. But the thing is, they can never choose right. Train a child in the way he's going, he'll never be able to get away from it. Why? Because the truth is still there. If they reject it, if they make other choices, don't let it be because they weren't taught the truth. Don't let it be because they had no other choice. Make sure. If we're going to win this battle, God says here, it's going to require some teaching. I want to give you this secondly, quickly. Notice there in verse 7, he said, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Notice what he says. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates, Man, you got to make sure they can't get away from it. It not only takes teaching, secondly, importantly, we're going to win this battle. It's going to require time. Time. You can't teach. You can't teach what God is saying they need to be taught here without spending time with them, some real time. You see, the teaching is only going to be effective if it comes with that time. Dads, you want to know what's important in your life, a very telling thing sometimes? I read this, and it kind of shocked me, and I 
was convicted as well. You know, if you really want to know the things that are important in any of your lives, not just you dads, but check your diary. Check your Palm Pilot or smartphone or whatever you keep all your appointments on. Check and see where all your time is really being spent and what it's being devoted to. You see, unfortunately, most every dad today in the world would say, oh, I, I love God first of all and foremost, and I, I love my wife and I love my children, and way down the line somewhere comes the job. <laughs> but when you begin to look at where all the time is spent, how much time do you spend with God? How much time do you spend with your family? All your time is on that job. And, you know, the sad thing is jobs, hobbies, entertainment, comforts. You see all these things coming up there. And many times they've got a real plausible excuse for this. Well, I'm, I'm working and working and working, and I'm working so hard so that I can provide for my family all those finer things in life that they need. Hmm. Well, I wonder. They say, God tells me to do that. Matter of fact, he said in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The Christian worse than an unsaved person because of not providing for his own house. You know what? Many truths of God's Word are often used as excuses when they're taken out of context and they're taken to extremes that God doesn't. I didn't notice any place in that verse, if any, provide not for his own, especially for his own house. Did you hear anything about finer things in life? The new computers and the new video games and the new this and the new that and everything that kids have to have today in order to be happy. I mean, they can't possibly be happy without all those things. And, and, and the newest fashions, how can they possibly go to school and face their friends without all the, the latest fashions? Folks, that's not what our kids need. Be happy. Yes, I know. It does require work. It requires time. Much of that time is spent for them and not for yourselves, dads. But I'm saying when it goes beyond meeting those necessities, <laughs> you start spending all that time out there because you want the unnecessary things in life, and that's taking the time away, you're losing the battle. You're losing the battle. You see, those children need to be taught they need to be taught from a parent that loves God with all of their very being, that God's law is real in their heart, and from that heart, they're teaching that child. And they're teaching that child the things of God and what God has done and what God is doing. And that takes time. That takes time together. That takes time. Sometimes it may mean sacrificing some of the niceties of life. 
The story is told of a man who asked his daughter if she would want quality time with her dad or quantity time with her dad. Do you want quality time or quantity time? I like her answer. She said, well, I'd like quality time, but I'd like lots of it. <laughs> they need both. I read about the little girl that drew a pretty picture, and she went into her dad's office, and she crawled up on his lap, and she said, Daddy, come and see my picture. Not now, honey. Dad's too busy. About 10 minutes later, she came back, and she, all excited, crawled up on his lap. Daddy, Daddy, come and see my picture now. Dad was getting a little frustrated. Can't you see? I'm busy. Don't bother me right now. I'll come and look at it when I can, when I'm ready, okay? A couple hours passed. A couple hours later, the dad came, and he said to the daughter, said, can I see that picture now? The girl said, sure, Dad. And he looked at the picture, and it was a picture of her and her brother and her mom standing on the lawn with the family dog and the big smiles and the big son in the background. Dad noticed that he wasn't in the picture. He said, that's a nice picture, sweetheart. said, how come daddy's not in the picture? She said, oh, said, because you're in the office working, dad. You're in the office working. You know, that's the case so many times. The battle's going to require some time. Time is a gift. It's a gift that you give that you can never, ever, ever take back. <laughs> you know, no matter what you do. You can give all kinds of material things, and you can take all kinds of things back when you give time. It can never be taken back. It's given forever. i got to give you this third one because my time is gone. Fathers and moms and each of you, if this battle is going to be won for our children, it's going to require teaching. It's going to require time. These are basic things. These are not... Theologically deep, these are practical things that God is showing us here. But I want to tell you thirdly, it's going to require testimony. What do you mean, preacher? Well, notice as we read these verses, and it shall be, verse 10, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which we swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. 
And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which we see swear unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us, to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our God always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Well, I had lots of things and illustrations to share with you, but bottom line, what is he saying here? Well, all the teaching and all the time in the world, it will be of absolutely no effect if you're not living what you're teaching. Are you following God? You know, he's telling his people here, you know, you got to be able to show and tell your children you're following God because this is what God has done for us and God's done this for us and God's done this for us. It shouldn't be a a sad thing, a hard thing, an evil thing to follow the Lord because he's blessed us so much. He's done so much for us. You see, you need a testimony. You know, there's a song that says, I want to be just like you. Part of it says, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. This is a dad to God. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. You see, dads and moms alike, you can see it from an early age. Your children begin to repeat the words that you say. They begin to copy the actions that you do. They begin to learn so very quickly. 2 Kings 14.3 speaks of the king of Israel named Amaziah, and he says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all things as Joash his father did. Your life before them. If we're going to win this battle, God is going to have to become real in our lives. We're going to have to love him with all of our being, not just some religious thing that we go through on Sunday morning. All of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul, all of our being, and his word implanted in our hearts that can then be taught to these children. Time spent with them instead of leaving them with the world and a testimony, a life <laughs> that we really believe what we're teaching. We really believe, and we have a testimony ourselves of what God has done for us. It's got to be real. It can't be just something that we fit into how it fits easily with us. 
I want to finish by saying this. Sometimes kids' life just isn't fair. Some of you here today, old and young alike, maybe you haven't had a godly dad. Maybe life just hasn't seemed to be fair and things haven't gone the way that they should have. Maybe some of you have had dads, but they weren't very good dads to you because they didn't follow God's example. Maybe he's not even there at all. How can you honor a father when he's not shown you the love that a father ought to show you? Well, may I say to you, honor him because you love God, because God's loved you. God didn't say honor him if he's got it all right. God says honor him. You know that it would be impossible. I don't care if your dad is the worst dad that's ever walked on the face of this earth. You could not be and would not be the person you are today. You would not exist here. You would not possibly be who you are except by him. Try to be forgiving as God has forgiven us. Honor him for who he is. That doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that you would follow him in things that would take you away from the Lord. I'll suggest some things. You see, let's honor our fathers regardless of how good or bad of job that they've done. You know, if you're someone that you don't have a godly dad, you know, we hear lots of talks about parents adopting kids. Sometimes you just need to adopt a dad. Choose carefully. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things we point out to adopted children. You know, children don't have any choice what families they're born into. But when you're adopted, somebody's chosen you. Choose somebody to be that father figure, somebody that cares, somebody that, as we've seen from God's Word this morning, that God is real to them. You won't find a perfect dad. You won't find a perfect man. There was only one that walked the earth. He's coming back for us one day, and then we'll be just like him. You know, that's why God gives us a church family as well. That's why God gives us a family, so that we can be there one for another. Some people need dads. Some dads, or some men that aren't dads, to fill that gap to be those dads. We have a heavenly father, all of us, if we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just give you this in closing. I'll tell you what. One of the greatest, most wonderful things in all of heaven will be that there won't be any clocks, no time, no boundaries that we have to stay within. This morning, our time has elapsed. Can I ask you how you're fighting the battle? Maybe today you just need to start fresh. You know, the first thing you need to know today, regardless of whether you're a child or a parent, father or mother, do you know the Heavenly Father? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that with absolute certainty, the one thing in all the earth that you know? You see, that's the starting point. The starting point is loving him with all your heart. That's the same for all of us. Parents, maybe we just need to ask God and our kids to forgive us and 
Try to do better the days and weeks ahead. Kids, maybe you need to ask your parents to forgive you for giving them such a hard time when they're doing their best. There's nobody on the face of this earth that wants you happier than a godly parent. Maybe we just need some freshness. Maybe this can be the most special Father's Day in the world, not because that somebody's got you to spend some money somewhere, but because God in some way has done something special in your life by becoming your heavenly father, or God has done something by reminding you this day that from this point on, there's a plan. Yes, there's a war. There's a battle that's raging. We've got everything we need to defeat the enemy, everything that we need to defeat him. Father, I thank you this morning. I don't know the hearts of each one here, but I, I know, Lord, without any shadow of a doubt that Lord, you burdened us and laid this sermon on our heart, even though we've not got to cover all of the things that we wanted to this morning. I pray, Lord, that from this part of your word, that you show us these simple, practical things. It's not the end all of, of, of child rearing. That's not what it's meant to be. Lord, we're in a battle today. We're in a war. The truth is we need to win that battle for our children. I pray that you'd help us, each one here today, whoever we are, with our own children, with the children in our church family, with the children around us, Lord, that we'll get engaged in this battle. We realize that, Lord, it's going to begin by us really being where we need to be, by loving you with all of our hearts, and that doesn't mean with just words, but with everything about us. And then, Lord, maybe from there we need to, we need to teach. We need to spend time these children. Lord, we need to have a testimony. We need to live the lives that it is real, that it's genuine. Lord, I pray that you'd help us that as we undertake to defeat the enemy, that it's your power, your might, your strength that will accomplish the work for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 